You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. I just got back from being on the road for a week in four different cities and three different events. I am a little tired, but I always learn so much when I go. And the reason I look like this is as soon as I got back, I went surfing. It was amazing but I didn't have time to get ready. But that's okay, because you could just listen. You don't have to look at me. <laughs> All right. So when I was on the road, I had several people ask me what real wealth does. And these are people that I've known for a long time. So I was really uh, kind of laughing because I just assume we've been around for 20 years that people know who we are and what we do. But just in case you don't, I'll sum it up really simply right here. It's pretty simple. We help people increase cash flow and increase their passive income by acquiring rental properties nationwide. And we simplify the process of building a real estate portfolio through lots of free education, as you know, like here on The Real Wealth Show, and also on our weekly webinars at realwealth.com, and lots of blogs and all kinds of information. There's hundreds of webinars on our website that you can check out to make sure that you're getting the education you need for free. And our job is to identify teams across the country who specialize in property management, because that's the key. If you're going to own rental property, you've got to have a good property manager in place. So we scout the country for these great property managers, and then we want to make sure that they also have good acquisition teams and renovation teams so that you get sort of this all done for you package where you can buy a rental property that's already been renovated and has property management in place. And then what Real Wealth does is kind of oversees how they do. We get feedback from our members, if our members like their experience, kind of like a Yelp situation. And as long as we're getting rave reviews, then we keep those teams on our referral list. If we get complaints, then we take them off the referral list and work with them to see how they can improve their systems. And then we also started providing a mastermind so that these property managers and property teams could learn from each other and continue to improve their services. Because we found that sometimes, you know, these are independent companies. So there'd be maybe somebody in Texas who had great property management, but maybe they didn't have great acquisition processes. But then we might have a great team in Cleveland that has amazing acquisition processes, but needed help on their property management. So every month we get together with uh, these 15 teams nationwide. And even though they're competitors, they don't work for real wealth, they're their own companies. They help each other get better because they know that if one team gets a complaint, that could affect the whole network. So they're really working with each other to provide great properties and opportunities for our members at Real Wealth to build their cash flowing rental properties and portfolios. So again, Real Wealth is free to join realwealth.com. It's free. You'll get access to all the free education plus referrals to these different teams, but you don't have to pay because we get paid through the referral fee from the broker on the other end. We are licensed brokers in California, and because of that, we can receive broker-to-broker -broker, uh, fees. So you don't have to pay. It's a realtor fee that is already baked in, and we just get paid from that through the broker. So I hope that helps to clarify what we do at Real Wealth. We're very passionate about helping people build their rental portfolios. We've had members for 20 years now, some who are well beyond retired because they started 20 years ago. And trust me, 20 years will pass. So it's never too late to start because I guarantee you, 
there'll be a time 20 years from now, if all goes well and you stay healthy, that you'll look back and be so glad you did. Uh, you know, things happen over time. You might have some vacancies, uh, maybe some repairs, but when you really look over the long term of how rental properties can really feed you for life and help you create a retirement, maybe an early retirement, hey, those little things just don't, you know, worry about them so much because you've got the bigger picture in mind. So with that, on today's show, we have a brand new team that we have been working with. We start when we find a new team. Of course, there's a very long vetting process. We uh, also, you know, get testimonials from their clients. And then we release uh, this new team to our more experienced members to kind of test them out. And once we get good reviews from our more experienced teams, then we bring them to the wider audience. So today we're going to be focusing on Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland can be a tricky town. There are some really, really, really rigorous uh, requirements, um, red tape that you can find in different cities. And if you don't know about that, it can be a nightmare. Uh, so you've really got to know your market. Uh, there could be some areas that are pretty rough too, and they look great on paper, but in reality, oh man, they don't pencil at all because you're constantly having vacancies and, and turnover costs and stuff gets stolen and it's just really, really hard. So you've got to be careful when investing in a place like Cleveland, Ohio. You've got to make sure you've got a really great team, boots on the street that understand the intricacies of that market. They know which street, street by street, it can make a difference. And they know where you're going to get the biggest return because they manage those properties. They're not just selling you something, hoping to get a commission. They are in it for the long term with you, as are all of our teams. So they want to make sure you're getting the right property because they have to manage it. And like he says in this interview, he says he'd rather not talk to the landlords. <laughs> you know, he'd rather not, he'd rather just everything go smoothly so that there's less conversations um, if things go wrong. So again, I love our model. It's helped a lot of people build wealth because it is so scary to go invest in another state uh, where you might have to because you're just not getting cash flow, say in California, uh, but you want to go to an area that's growing with you know job growth, but still cash flows then you know you have to learn some of these things and it could be scary to invest out of state and we try to really make that easier for you. All right, with that, let's get on to my interview and spotlight on Cleveland, Ohio. And our guest today has an enormous amount of experience. He is a lifelong Cleveland area resident and is passionate about real estate and helping investors build their portfolios. So welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Appreciate and it. And thanks for understanding that my hair is still wet. It was an amazing surf morning, so I made it here just Perfectly in time. Perfectly acceptable. Perfectly <laughs> acceptable. No surfing in Cleveland today, huh? No, not at all. No, uh, high 50s, so not going to happen. <laughs> Shores of Lake Erie are pretty darn cold right now, probably. Yeah, I bet. No, the cold plunge is is popular now, so you can you can just jump in there for three minutes and you know, improve your yeah. health. I have hard time with just a pack of ice on a knee, like let alone a... <laughs> Understood. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, I'm so happy to have you on because I love highlighting and spotlighting different markets around the country. We see headlines that uh, say one thing and they're talking about a national housing market, which just doesn't exist because what's happening in your market is going to be so different than across the country in my market. Just completely different worlds like we were talking about. Uh, my morning was different than yours due to weather and so many things. So tell me 
what is going on in Cleveland right now and if you think it's a good time to be investing or not. Growth, continued growth. Um, it's been very active, very healthy. It's funny, I've been waiting for this quote unquote market crash the last few years. As everybody keeps keeps uh, vehemently saying and screaming from the rooftops, and it just hasn't happened. On the contrary, it's been quite opposite, a healthy, steady, um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's still been rather competitive, even from the investor side. I think more and more people are coming in. Uh, I, I was talking to about three to four investors every few days. I mean, it's up to about a dozen to 15 investors a week, new investors coming into the Cleveland market. So, um, it's been good. It's been great, frankly. I think that's an understatement. And this is what I hear just nationwide. I am, I was at three different conferences last week and, uh, people from all kinds of different markets are experiencing the same thing. Now, I will put it on record that I was not one of those people that thought a housing crash was coming because of, you know, basic supply demand issues. There is just not enough supply. Is that kind of what you're experiencing there in Cleveland as well? We the housing the housing stock, the inventory is a little bit of a problem for everyone. Uh, we pivoted a couple of years ago. We really got to, down to the nitty gritty in terms of sourcing deals. So, I mean, it's always going to be tight. The, that pendulum between, you know, supply and demand, it, you're never going to balance it, but we've, we've got to the nitty gritty of it and started really finding and sourcing off market deals. Uh, we have excellent relationships with uh, boots on the ground, wholesalers, investors in the area. So we're, we're still, you know, obviously we'd still like to have more inventory, but we've been, we've been fortunate enough to provide and find enough for uh, at least for the time being. And how, how do you find inventory today? So we've made really, uh, really solid connections and relationships with uh, local wholesalers, investors, boots on the ground. Um, you know, just honestly, our presence over the last 10 years is, uh, you know, just translated into deals, just crossing our desk even organically um, throughout the week. So those wholesalers bring us deals. Uh, we do a lot of direct to seller marketing, um, you know, some cold calling mailers, just to continue to plant seeds, to provide inventory, find inventory. Um, you know, it's been, it's been good. So it's allowed us to stay kind of ahead of the pack a little bit. And really, I, I could argue, almost take a little bit more market share in our area. So it's been good. How do the wholesalers find the properties? Do you, do you know? And do you wholesale as well? We don't really wholesale. We're too busy on this side, but we've, we've structured relationships with them that have put us in an excellent position to succeed from that standpoint. Um, they're sending out mailers. They're sending out uh, mass texts. They're cold calling. Um, similar to what we're doing, we're just not wholesaling. We're taking those down. Mm -hmm. But they're doing that with the intention of flipping a contract. Uh, so they find these deals. They get these properties locked down. And I'm on their short list of who to send to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they're, they'll send us a property out. We'll, we'll get a few days, a week, week or two to either bring a buyer or, uh, or take it down ourselves. Um, and it's nice because we're minimizing the competition on our side. Um, you know, we're getting inventory that nobody else sees. And we can turn around and get stabilized or turnkey it. Um, you know, so they're they're getting kind of right to the direct source, usually at a pretty sizable discount. The pace is a little bit more aggressive, uh, so we have to be experienced from that standpoint. It's not, a, you know, I wouldn't recommend it to any new investors start working with wholesalers. Uh, there's some complexities. I mean, this has been a few years in the in the making here, uh, 
but you know, once you get past, you kind of pull back the layers on some of it. There's uh, there's certainly some opportunity there. Well, and what you said is exactly why we work with you. You know, at Real Wealth, it, we we want to find teams that understand the area so so deeply, because in in Cleveland for sure, but in really any city. There are pockets that are great and that are that are pockets that you probably, you know, that, that would be difficult for an out-of-state investor to manage. Even with a property manager in place, uh, there are areas that are just just more challenging. It can be the the local regulations of that area, or it can be higher crime, um, you know, just issues in, in certain neighborhoods that you just wouldn't know if you're just looking at a property online and it looks so nice online, right? A, a house can be beautiful, but you don't really necessarily know what's around it. So yeah. what what are some of the neighborhoods that you stay out of and why? So we have about seven or eight zip codes that we don't service. Um, we, I've been told we're snobs. <laughs> uh, and 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 I'm I'm not saying that we're kind of proud of it. We have a certain standard that we want to maintain, um, and it's not just from even our turnkey properties, but properties we're managing, uh, organic pickups of management, transition of management, um, and that a lot of that boils down to just where the property is located. Um, so we have about seven zip codes that we don't service, um, just lack of resources, and frankly, just volatility in those areas. Um, couldn't really find any footing, you know, in, in some of those pockets. And we try to avoid um, long-term, let's, how do we call it? Long-term relate working relationships uh, in those certain pockets. And that's just, you know, difficulty finding good tenants, um, you know, finding vendors that want to work in those areas, uh, you know, just uh, certain uh, complexities with those municipalities. Uh, there's a small suburb in Cleveland that, you know, excellent investor area, but we've just had so much trouble getting any sort of rental occupancy. And we've just told investors avoid it altogether. I mean, if, if, if we're not going to be able to provide adequate service and the properties, it's going to take 10 times the work to ever get it stabilized. What's the point at that, at that, you know, in that sense. Uh, so we try to provide education and knowledge to our clients and context to our clients because they're not here. We're the boots on the ground. Um, you know, 12 years of management, we found, you know, we have, a, well, we have a little bit of context in terms of what works and what doesn't. And for the most part, the clients and the investors around the area that, you know, they, they heed our advice, um, you know, sometimes better for, for better or worse. But as I mentioned, we're, we're snobs with the areas and locations, and I'd, I'd, I'd rather keep it that way, if that makes sense. Well, you know, this is coming out of the mouth of a property manager, right? You, you're not in a, in just a buy and sell industry. It's, it's really easy for a real estate agent to say, to, to sell anything because they don't have to manage that property ongoing and, and, and make promises, quote unquote promises to the client that it's going to stay rented. You know, they don't have to deal with that. They just get the sales commission and move on. So it's, it's really important, really important that before you purchase any property, you talk to the manager, the property manager first, you get the property manager in place first and make sure that they approve of it. Because, uh, you know, it's not, I'm not going to call it snobbery. I'm going to call it good, good business because I've seen too many property managers take on clients and take on properties in areas where, like you said, they don't have the resources or they it's, it's too far away, but they're trying to do this client a favor and manage the house. But then their whole entire 
company ends up putting all their energy in these problem properties and then the good ones suffer. So, you know, you do have to have those boundaries and stick with what you know. Um, and, and that, I mean, every property manager should have their, their, you know, I don't want to say buy box, but their management box. Like what yeah. are you willing to manage and, or what, what are you not willing to manage? Because it can take your whole company down. I've seen it over and over again. It's, it's funny. I've, I've told clients have been steadfast about this for years. We have a mutually beneficial relationship. Like our goals are aligned. If you're collecting rent and making money, we're collecting rent and making money. We would rather never hear from you. And those are the best, those are the no offense, best clients. Right, but... <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, absolutely. And, and those are the ones though, that typically are having the, as funny as it sounds, the best experience are the ones that never actually have to correspond with, with management uh, because we want those stable relationships. Uh, and that only is going to come from a stable asset. And then, you know, you're cutting off any future business. Uh, we can own, you know, we, we want to, try to prevent as many of those obstacles as possible. So you continue to build your portfolio, which again, this goes back to mutually beneficial. As you grow your portfolio, we grow, you know, and then you refer other clients. It's a snow, positive snowball effect. We've, uh, we've been terrible marketers over the years. I think we talked to you guys about this in the past. We just execute and we have to execute or, you know, it, our growth is going to stall. And a lot of that, it's just, you know, being able to have management as a huge part of what we do. Does this fit our management criteria? Uh, you know, will we find good tenants? You know, will we uh, be able to manage this efficiently, effectively? And you know, if it doesn't meet that criteria, it's probably not a good fit, and it's not going to be a good fit on the front end, and at, most importantly on the back end with management. Yeah, I cannot emphasize enough to my listeners: don't try to force your property manager to do something they're not comfortable with. That's not within their uh, realm of knowledge. You know, again, I've seen it over and over again of people guilting their, you know, property manager, please help me with this property that I bought that maybe I shouldn't have. And can you manage it? No, you can't. Nobody can manage a bad property. Right. I mean, nope. so what would you what are some of the main guidelines that people should know before, you know, before making that acquisition to to make sure that this is a puppy that turns into a good, a good dog, right? Not a, not yeah. a you know, real estate, I've said it many times, it's like getting a puppy. Like it's not easy. You've got, it's so cute when you first get it. And then, then now you've got a puppy. So what, what are the things that people should know that you recommend before they purchase? So I've noticed a trend over the years, uh, investors starting to speak to a property manager before they even get to a real estate agent or broker. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's become more and more prevalent. You've got to you've got to talk to a local management company, somebody that has a presence in the area, and the questions you need to ask really boil down to you know specifics with where that property is. Um, you know, naturally, you're going to ask them about their experience and their fees, and everybody jumps to the fees part. More or less, they're all going to be within industry standard. I mean, you know, we're going to split hairs over a percent or two at most. You need to find out about the property itself, and you know, do they have experience in managing there? Um, you know, what type of, you know, what type of tenant base are they going to get there? Any obstacles they've had it, it, with their management uh, over the years there? Um, you know, average rent, that's a big one. You know, you could get an idea of the area and neighborhood and difficulty just by average rent. I mean, that'll go, you know, township to township in a certain county. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff, I think you'll be able to, uh, you know, kind of put together and understand, okay, is this the best investment for me? And then also, you know, your property manager is going to have an understanding of, you know, I guess, market, 
complexities, uh, property standards, we'll call it. You know, a 1940s house in Cleveland is going to be a lot different than a typical house in Dallas or Austin or Tampa. You know, so having an understanding of what that, you know, what that boils down to, you know, what's normal for this, for the industry, what's normal for the area, um, you know, what am I going to have to look for in the next five to 10 years? And, you know, really only someone that has had experience, not just selling, but also managing on the back end that has that relationship from, you know, the, you know, the years two through five with that property, only they're going to have that sort of context to be able to provide you. So don't, you know, spreadsheets only going to tell you so much. Um, you need boots on the ground knowledge. And I, I think that's where you need to develop that relationship on the front end. And be really careful of the salesperson, again, who's not also the person who will be involved with managing that property. I've I've seen it over and over again, and specifically in Cleveland, because there are such high growth areas. And some of those high growth areas are next to rough areas. And yeah. I, I remember, uh, you know, a woman coming to me years ago and saying, oh, I bought this eight plex right next to the Cleveland Clinic. And uh, I imagine <laughs> I see you all oh, shaking no. your head. And, you know, I, there's going to be all these um, healthcare workers that will want to stay there. And, and like, <laughs> no, they're not because they will fear for their lives. So like, do, do you hear that comment a lot from real estate agents saying, oh yeah, well, this is an up and coming area, you know, so this will be, and then it's like, yeah, maybe in 10 years, but not right now. Kathy, I had a bad review about me the other day. Um, one of my only bad reviews in my 10 years of doing this. And you know what it was about? It was about an investor looking to buy properties near the clinic, near hospitals. And I was encouraging him without necessarily demanding, but encouraging him to look into more stable middle-class suburbs. Mm -hmm. And he just couldn't accept my, my approach. He couldn't accept, you know, I guess my pushback. Yeah. And my, my response to him was, you know, you're not here. You know, somebody's going to tell you what you want to hear because they want a sale. I couldn't care less about the sale because you're going to buy one and we're going to have a hard time renting it and we're going to have a hard time managing it. And then it's going to be disaster. And do you know who you're going to look to? Me. <laughs> so it's going to become I, your fault. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I've, I've never understood that premise. I've never understood that approach. Uh, really, it's not a long term. It's a short sighted way of approaching your business as a realtor, as an investment consultant. And really, as an investor themselves, take you know, heed the advice of your local property manager, of your local boots on the ground. Look at the reviews. Look at you know, talk to investors that they've worked with. You know, find find how they are, how, you know, how is the working relationship there, uh, and and you'll find that there's going to be some aspects of it that you know are going to be positive for you, and you're going to find some stuff that you don't want to hear. It's going to be some harsh reality. You know, I, I you know, it's not rainbows and butterflies. That <laughs> ten eight that eight unit near the clinic. You're, you know, you're going to be looking at it going, okay, it's in the Cleveland Clinic, but, you know, at the Cleveland Clinic, I'm going to get this sort of tenant. But unless you're on the Cleveland Clinic campus, it, it's it's really just unappealing, anything outside of it. So, you know, anybody that's not from here, I, I don't think is necessarily going to have that context. But that's a perfect example, you know, of what not to do, investing out of state, find a map, find a hospital and think, oh, I'm going to do this. It's yeah. not that simple. No, it's really, it's really not. And, and it does really frustrate me because I've seen it over and over again where a local broker, you know, somebody that we really should be trusting is just honestly just trying to make a sale. 
and and into a you know a stupid Californian with lots of money, and it's heartbreaking. I, I see it all the. I've seen it so much. So, um, okay. So, what areas should people? You know, where are the hot spots? Where would you want to buy? Where it still makes sense? Where because there's parts of Cleveland now that are too expensive. You know, it just wouldn't make yeah. sense to buy own a rental. That that wasn't the case when I started, but it certainly is now. Uh, you know, so how do you find that up and coming area uh, where it still cash flows, but there's you know potential for growth as well? So we like the safe, uh, stable, middle class suburbs. Um, mm-hmm. That that's always been our, our, you know, kind of our mantra. It's always been our approach. You know, the the Euclids, the Garfield Heights, the um, you know the Parmas, where you're going to get in there, excuse me, and you're going to get a 1950s, 1940s home, three bedroom, one to two bath. You're going to get a you know working class tenant that potentially could buy the home in the future where there's homes that are being sold to owner occupants in the neighborhoods. Those are the neighborhoods that we're, we're striving, you know, we're pushing towards that, you know, we, we found stability in and we think is going to continue to have upside. As long as it's still affordable and can cash flow, it's, it's, it's going to be a good situation. And then there's pockets of Cleveland that we found, you know, over the last few years, really good upside. And we believe there's going to be continued appreciation. Um, parts of, you know, it's a Jefferson neighborhood, 44111 zip code. Uh, it's close to Lakewood, close to downtown. You're close to the shoreway. It's it's perfect uh, location in terms of you know being conveniently located near you know some up and coming hotspots in Cleveland, um, West Park area, which is close to the airport. So you know everyone's looking to be near the hospitals. I'd rather be near the airport where people are coming in to go to the hospitals. <laughs> Let me get mm-hmm. to the to the root of the issue, you know root of the uh, situation. And that that area has always been a bit more attractive, a little more trendy. But there are some pockets, you know, right around that West Park area that are more middle class, suburban area, suburban town, um, with good upside. And there's a little bit of development going on, um, you know, enough that you're going to be close to downtown, uh, close to the areas where there is significant development. There, Cleveland's working on developing the lakefront, but you you can't invest there. That's just not practical. So let me get to the areas where I can get close enough, where I'm a, you know, a short drive away from that developed lakefront or a short drive uh, away from that, you know, the Cleveland Clinic's growing campus or a short drive away from downtown Cleveland. That's what we're looking for. So those are a couple of our, uh, our hot spots that we've been targeting and you know, have a few properties coming up in as well. What is driving the growth in Cleveland? Our job market, it's always been... Um, you know, it's just just a stable. We're fortunate; it's a stable health and education sector here. Um, you know, even during COVID, Kathy, during the eviction moratorium, we didn't skip a beat for rent with rent collections. And we talked to investors. We were going to conferences and conventions where, you know, there were management companies hemorrhaging. Um, you know, investors you know, panicking because rents weren't being paid. We had some of our highest rent collection months during the COVID eviction moratorium. And it's, you look at it across the board and it's like, wow, okay, well, you know, 90, 80% of our tenant base is in healthcare. I, you know, that's a recipe for success there. So the clinic is the biggest employer in the state. They're continuously growing. You have some uh, competing hospitals, University Hospital, Metro. Um, they're continuously growing as well. Uh, Sherwin-Williams is a big company here. That's, uh, they're also growing. Um, you know, you have Progressive Insurance and Key Bank and you know, some tech jobs on the on some uh, west and east east side suburbs here in Cleveland. So we have a stable job force that I, I just don't see getting outsourced anytime soon. And, and it's in a market where 
you know, barring any sort of financial crisis, I think we're going to continue to see, you know, stability there. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I'm, I've always been a big fan of Cleveland. There are some areas where the city requirements are so stringent. Tell me a little bit about that. And do you avoid those areas or do you just know how to work with it? There are some areas uh, that are just so tough that we stay away from. I was mm-hmm. mentioning earlier, you know, small township, very solid, but we just tell investors, we, we just don't service there. Um, you can't hide from it in general there you have to just deal with it but mm-hmm. the thing is you want to be surrounded with people that are experienced with navigating through those complexities those nuances um the lead clearance for example that's not new there are some other midwest towns that have lead clearance requirements um it's very easy to get through it's very easy to navigate through you just have to a know what to look for on the front end you shouldn't have a property that is going to be you know, difficult to get through that process. Um, but, you know, we found ways to kind of navigate through it. We have processes in place, the point of sale, the city inspections and some of the surrounding suburbs. Yeah. Some are tougher than others. <laughs> I've been through that. Yeah. Some are tougher than others, but, you know, we, we stay away from the ones that are extremely difficult mm-hmm. um, or we find, you know, a little bit more value in those pockets where, or in that certain property where we know, okay, we're getting a good deal on this. The property is a bit more stable, so we're not going to see some of those difficulties or obstacles. Um, we try to, and we also try to stay in some of the surrounding areas that have limited red tape. We'll call it, um, you know, Garfield Heights, for example. You know, it's a they have a point of sale at the front end, exterior repairs only, no escrow, and then no rental inspections. I own properties in Garfield Heights, and we're heavy there. I own properties since 2015 that I haven't had the city back. That's a good situation to be in. Um, you know, so tax and tax are going to be a little bit higher there. But, the way, you know, I've, I've urged investors to look at it from this way. Take the good with the bad. I'll pay a slightly, you know, quarter percent higher property taxes, but never have the city back. You know, and there's some other cities around the area that have similar or, you know, somewhat loose uh, requirements, restrictions. And we've been able to, you know, as we've provided that knowledge and resource to our investors, we've been able to find the opportunities that work that fit those, you know, that fit that criteria and have a somewhat smooth uh, investment, you know, uh, investment uh, experience here in Cleveland. So it hasn't been that bad. It's, I think it's overblown. I think it's an overblown narrative, really, from inexperienced investors that put themselves in bad situations. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it. You know, I, I will promote certain areas because I like them. I, I like Cleveland as a city. I, I think there's a lot of incredible growth. I mean, any, anytime you're in a medical city, that's usually good for real estate, plus all the universities yeah. there. So I like it. And then someone will listen to the show and call up some random agent and buy a property there and then come back and say, what were you talking about? This is a horrible place yep. to invest because people don't understand the red tape that's there. Like It's, it's insane. Uh, but on the flip side of that, that red tape in some cases makes sure that the rental properties are safe and that tenants are taken care of. So in, in the long run, the big picture, perhaps it's good. Uh, but I know for us, it had, you know, we've had some situations where the city would come and, and require us to do something that was qu- quite expensive. I think we had a $25,000 uh, bill on, on this plumbing issue that we had that the city wanted us to, to make sure that we took care of. So again, good for the tenant, really rough on the landlord. You need to know these things going into it. But but if someone were to buy with you, that would have already been taken care of. They they wouldn't be that wouldn't be a surprise bill. 
right? Like what kinds of things do you take care of it when you, when you renovate a property for an investor? Kathy, we're looking at those things that the city's going to be targeting. Um, my team laughs because I couldn't care less about aesthetics. Everybody jumps to aesthetics and nice flooring. I ask the first question I ask is, you know, how's the driveway? and and it's a weird thing to ask but it's because it's one of the major components of what the city is going to look at you know how's the driveway how's the apron or the sidewalks uh you know how's the how's the siding you know those things we're looking at up front and either upgrading or making sure that they're already in very sound condition to where when the city comes in if they're finding any they're nitpicking and finding a couple items. They're going to be negligible, small items that, you know, really it's, you should do to improve the uh, longevity of your property anyway. So we're, we're, we're trying to avoid those very distressed situations. And, and, and if we're not avoiding it, we're taking these down at a price point that we can get these upgraded. I mean, Kathy, I'd say about 60% of the prop, turnkey properties we've sold, brand new roofs, you know. Uh, 70% of the turnkey properties we've sold brand new windows, you know, city can't come in and complain about missing, you know, chip paint or glazing needed on the windows because they're replaced. Um, you know, those are the things we're trying to tackle up front. Those expensive big ticket items that potentially may be flagged by the city later on. Mm-hmm. Now, will they come in and say, Hey, you guys have some weeds and got to clean this up. It's possible, you know, but it's, that's not going to that's not going to be a detriment to an investor's long-term goals. A driveway, a roof, absolutely, that that will be. We want to avoid those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you as a part of the Real Wealth Network. I know we've had investors purchase with you who are just thrilled or switch over their property management if you'll accept them. And uh, they've been absolutely. really happy. So uh, we're just thrilled to have you and look forward to seeing you at one of our upcoming events. But if people want to get in touch with you, of course, they just go to realwealth.com, uh, join, it's free, and there's a drop down, and you're the team they'll find uh, under Cleveland. So yeah, we're, we're excited. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate you having on here and uh, the support and resources with Real Wealth has been tremendous. So we appreciate the partnership and look forward to uh, continued growth with you guys. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you all for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you want to get in touch with our teams, just go to realwealthshow.com. It's free to join. And then it will open up the portal where you can get access to the different teams that we work with nationwide, including today's interview. And it's all free. Again, that's realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.